You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Thanks so much for listening. Now, on to the message. Well, friends, good morning. My name is Spencer. I'm the pastor here. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be reading from John uh, chapter 15 today. This is... Um, part seven of seven of a series we've been on called Jesus in the Present Tense. We've been looking at seven promises that Jesus gives us um, about how he can change our lives, which is why we're calling this Jesus in the Present Tense, because Jesus can change our lives today. So we're talking about all this, these promises of, of the ways that Jesus changed our lives, about who he is and what he does for us. And so um, each one of these promises is found in the Gospel of John. There's seven times where Jesus will, will talk about who he is and he has this formula where he says, I am, then he fills in this blank of who he is. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I'm the resurrection of life, so on. And, and we looked at all, all of these. Today will be part seven. Next week, we're going to start a series called Behind the Scenes. We'll go for six weeks, and we're going to talk um, about, about leadership and making a difference, because here's a core conviction that I have. Um, I believe that everyone who's here, everyone has, um, is called by God and is, is gifted and is, has opportunity to make a difference in the world. And so um, you don't have to like have faith figured out. No one's too old or too young. Um, no one is, uh, has too much of a history or no, no one has, has uh, too much of a past. Every, all of us are called to make a difference. And so we're going to talk about some practical ways uh, that, that we can think about the ways that maybe God has for you to make a difference in your life. And so this will be a very practical series talking through um, how we think about our own gifts and opportunities in life to make a difference for other people. That'll start next week um, as we go through that. Today, though, part seven of seven, we're going to look at the very last one of these promises, John chapter 15, and we're going to share two things with you today. We're going to say two things in this promise. First of all, um, I'm going to share with you what God's will for your life is. That's good? That is probably a top three question I get as a pastor, by the way, is how do I know what God's will for my life is? Because churches, we talk about this, uh, the good church line, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. We've heard that's this many times. And, um, and so I get asked all the time, well, what, what does that mean for me? What is God's will for my life? So I'm going to share with you uh, from the scripture, Jesus' vision, his will for your life, what, what that looks like. And then two, um, I want to give us a strategy, a very practical, we're going to get very practical today, a very practical strategy for how Christians grow. Because this might sound like a strange uh, comment, but what I've found to be true is that most Christians don't know how to grow. And uh, we just kind of hope that people figure it out. So we're going to talk through a, a really big building block of, of growth that if you don't pay attention to, you will definitely not grow. And so I want to talk through um, that dynamic. Uh, just a few weeks ago, I had someone come up to me right after one of our services. And, you know, in each one of these messages, I've been saying this line, Jesus can change your life today. I've said that seven times in the series because it's why we're calling it the series, Jesus in the present tense. And so I had this person come up to me. She said, well, you've been saying that Jesus can change my life today, but How? Like, how does Jesus change your life today? So I want to share with you a, like a building block for growth and what this looks like um, in our life. So John chapter 15, we're going to see these two things. Um, here's the promise. It's going to come right at the very beginning here. Verse one, we see the promise from Jesus. 15 verse one, Jesus says, I am, I am the true vine. There it is. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. So let's pay attention to all these different relationships here. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. 
you are already clean, which is an odd way of talking here, but it's a pun based on the Greek of, of what it means to prune. You've, been, you've been already been pruned, basically, is what it means. Because of the word I have spoken to you. So the word of Jesus, the, the scriptures we're talking about here, is, as a way of, of cutting away the, the dead parts of our life, like you might prune a branch, uh, the, the parts that are going off in their own direction, the parts that are inward instead of outward. That is what the, 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 the gardener does. He prunes these parts away. And so when we interact with the word, we're... we're pruned in that kind of way. Verse four, if you're reading from your own Bibles, I encourage you to underline, circle, highlight this next word. It's so important. Verse four just says, remain in me, remain. Very, very big word. If you're reading from a different translation that might say abide or live or dwell, other ways that some translations translate that. So remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain, there's that word again, remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Which Jesus is like getting right to the point again. They must not have been following. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples." So I told you, we're going to see two things in this passage. One, we're going to see the answer to what is God's will for my life, and two, a strategy for growth. So I've made you two promises we're going to see. Let me come through on the first promise here. If you've ever wondered, what is God's um, will for my life? John chapter 15, verse 8, that last verse we read answers that question. What is God's will for my life? I'll read it to you one more time. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. What is God's will for your life? God's will for your life is that you would bear fruit. That's God's will for your life, that you would bear fruit. And as I set that up, it's probably a bit of a letdown for me to answer the question that way, because you were probably thinking God's will for my life is about something I should be doing, and now I'm answering it as, well, actually God's will for your life is about um, bearing, bearing fruit. It's, it's a bit of a letdown. And then that's how we think about God's will for my life. And this is the question I get all the time from people and why it's like a top three question that I get in my work is, is people want to know, what does God want me to do? What does God want me to do? People will ask me like, what, what, how should I think about my job or what ministry should I volunteer in or, or how do I spend my time? Like, what does God want me to do? Who does God want me to reach out to? And we, we get so focused on all of these activities of what God wants us to do for him. But the deeper question about God's will is not what does he want you to do. The, the deeper question is, is who does he want you to, to be? And who he wants you to be is the kind of person who bears fruit. The, the more important question of when it comes to God's will is, is not about doing, it's about becoming. What kind of person are you, are you becoming? This is a far more important question when it comes to dealing with God's Will and, and when we get these things confused, we start focusing on, on what God wants us to do and we forget the more important question of what God wants us to be, we get in all kinds of trouble. But if we focus first on who does God want us to be, the doing part usually takes care of itself. 
You figure that kind of part out when you focused on the right thing, which is, which is what God wants us, who God wants us to be. But, but we get these things confused and, and I don't know why we get these things confused and why we get so focused and fixated on what does God want us to do. I have a theory on it, but I don't know if it's the right theory. My theory on the reason why we get so focused on what God wants us to do is because of people like me, uh, pastors, we are responsible for this confusion. Because pastors have a way of talking about how God has, maybe you've heard this before, called us. And we hear that kind of language about how God has called us. And we think, well, God's going to call me to do something as well. Um, when I decided I was going to become a pastor in the United Methodist Church, it took me 10 years from when I told my pastor that I wanted to be a pastor to when I was ordained. That's like a long time. It took a long journey. And all along that journey, I was asked this question over and over and over again at like every level of clearance. I got asked this question, um, well, tell us about your call. How did God call you? And I would sit in, in, in groups with other people who are aspiring to be pastors, and they would have these stories about how God spoke to them, this word of the Lord that came, the clouds parted, rays of light came out, and like God said in the King James, thou shalt go and do this work. And I was like, man, that is not my story at all. That is not how God called me. Mine was really, really simple. I've shared with you before, you know, my calling to ministry happened, I was a, I was a college student. And I was going to church, which might have been an odd thing, just being a college student going to church. I was a college student going to church. And one Sunday I saw in our bulletin announcement in the, in the church I was going to an, a request, like an ask for people to volunteer in the youth group. So I signed my name next to it. And I got assigned to teach the seventh grade boys Bible study on Sunday nights, five o'clock for an hour. An hour of teaching seventh grade boys Bible study every Sunday night, week after week after week, which really just meant that you had them for an hour. So it's like 30 minutes of throwing stuff at each other, five minutes, maybe 10 of Bible study, but not, not consecutive. It's cumulative of over, over an hour. And the rest of the time is you're just wishing that it's over. That's like how you spent that, that hour. But there was something about that experience where I just was like, oh, I, 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 I want to teach people the Bible. That's kind of what I walked away from. And I just kind of stumbled into this idea that maybe I should serve God in this way. But I hear my colleagues and they're like, no, 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 no. It's like Moses on the mountain with the burning bush. And I'm like, man, that is not my story. And so sometimes we hear those stories though that are like really, really spiritual. And we think to ourselves, man, I wish God would speak to me like that. Man, I wish God would make it that clear to me that I knew exactly what he wanted me to do. And we hear those kinds of stories. Like, I just, I just wish it was like that, but it's not like that. I don't, I don't know why it's like that, but my thought about why it's usually not like that for people, not like super spiritual, is because the more important question is not what does God want you to do, but who does God want you to be? What kind of person does he want you to become? And when you get that question answered, the doing part, it, it takes care of itself. And so what is God's will for your life? Very simple. He wants you to bear fruit. That's what he wants you to that's who he wants you to be, to bear fruit. Now, this language, bear fruit, of course, is a very New Testament way of talking about life change in church. We talk about transformation. It's a big church word we use about the change of life we have, that, that bearing fruit is kind of, you know, very New Testament. Jesus talked about in different places. Paul, of course, talked about bearing fruit. One of the most famous passages in the Bible about bearing fruit is Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. You've probably heard it before. Galatians 5, 22. Paul writes, the fruit of the Spirit is 
love, joy, peace, um, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We see these, these nine uh, things that are laid out for us, that, that this is what it is to, to grow that, that we have here. And, and this list of the fruit of the Spirit, this is like what kids learn in Sunday school. There's like songs that kids learn about the fruit of the Spirit. And, and it's unfortunate because this list is not like a Sunday school list. When you look at the, this list of the fruit of the Spirit, this is not like what good people are versus bad people. This is not like good things versus bad people. This list that we see here, the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, this is a, a target of what God wants us to grow into. Th this is what Christian maturity looks like, are these kinds of virtues. And if you want to know what is a, God's will for my life, well, like Galatians 5.22, it tells us, it's right here. He, he wants you to become like these things. He wants you to grow into becoming more loving, more kind, um, more, more joyful. I learned it as patience. I don't know what forbearance means, so I'm just going to use patience here. Patient, he wants you to be more good and faithful, wants you to grow in gentleness, wants you to grow in self-control. Like This is what it looks like to, to grow as a Christian. This is God's will for your life. So he wants you to grow in these kinds of, in these kinds of uh, virtues, that this is that this is his will, that he would have us grow in this. And, and, it's, and again, that's an important idea of, of bearing fruit is it's, it's a growth mentality. It's not like all of a sudden I've achieved this. This is not a list that you can like, you know what, I'm love, check, got it, done. Joy, mm, got that one. Patience, kind of wait on that one a little bit longer. You know, goodness, faithfulness, like I got, I got all this. That's not how this list works. This is a list that is like ever growing in our lives that we are ever becoming more loving, ever becoming more joyful, ever becoming more patient and, and so on. Like this list is something that's always growing within us because this is how spiritual growth works. It's not like you have achieved this. It's that you're growing towards this. It's about the kind of person that you're becoming. This is why that question is so important. What kind of person am I becoming? It's, it's I'm, I'm growing towards this. And so spiritual growth, this idea of, of bearing fruit and living in God's will for our life, it, it is a, a process that takes a lengthy amount of time. And so when you look at this list, this would be the target for what you're shooting at with your faith. I want to become like these things but it's not to say, have I achieved it? Rather, a more helpful way is to take your life, compare it to this list, and ask this question. Over the last year, two years, three years, five years, am I more loving? Over the last two years, three years, four years, five years, am I more um, joyful? Am I more patient? Am I more kind? Do I have more self-control? Because it's a, it's a long process that, that works out in this. This is how spiritual growth works. It takes lots of time. A lot of Christians in some circles will say that uh, this process of spiritual growth is, quote, unquote, a long obedience in the same direction. It is this lengthy thing that takes, it takes time to grow into these kinds of things. And so spiritual growth, God's will for our life, it's not like we ever just achieve it. It's like we are achieving it. We are growing into what he has for us, that we might become more and more these kinds of people. Now, of course, we have a role to play in this. Eight times in the eight verses we read, Jesus said this word, remain, right? Remain in me. John 15, eight times Jesus points this out. I tried to say it with a different inflection, so you got it each time, but eight times Jesus said this because our responsibility in spiritual growth is, is right here. That our job is to remain in Jesus, to do what he is doing in us. His job is to grow fruit within us, to grow this, this, this fruit, but our job is to remain in him. This is how Jesus said it in John uh, chapter 15. He says, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. 
neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. This is the recipe of how spiritual growth works. That if we're going to bear fruit, our um, focus is that our job is to remain in Jesus. Other translations, remember, live, dwell, abide, to be connected to him. And if you think about a branch and a vine and how these things work together, what you, what you see is that um, while it's the branch's job to bear fruit, it's the vine's job to grow the branch. And so as we remain connected to Jesus, what he does in us is he begins to develop this fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. He is the one who begins to do this. And so if you want to think practically about spiritual growth, how does this process look like that we begin to bear fruit? What does it practically look like? for you to become somebody who is growing instead of somebody who is stuck. The big building block that you have to realize is this, that your job is to be connected to Jesus. It's to remain in him. This is what he calls you to do. This is how it is that we are to grow and bear fruit. This is how this works because as you are connected to him, what's going to happen is that this fruit is going to start to be born in your life, and this fruit is, is really the character traits of who Jesus is. As you are connected to the vine, you are going to begin to demonstrate the character traits of the vine. You're going to begin to look and act and live your life more and more like Jesus would. And so you might wonder, well, what, are, what was Jesus like? Well, I can think of nine words that describe what Jesus is like really, really well. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is what Jesus was like. As you remain connected to him, what happens is he begins to grow within your character, within your heart, within your life, these much deeper traits that we call the fruit of the spirit. This is what it means to bear fruit is that we stay connected to him and he grows within us these, these traits that reflect him. Our job, though, is to get as close to him as possible so that he can do this. The great C.S. Lewis uh, says the same principle like this. I love this quote. C.S. Lewis says, if you want to get warm, you must stand near the fire. If you want to get wet, you must get into the water. If you want joy, power, peace, eternal life, you must get close to or even into the thing that has them. Hear that principle. That as you get closer to Jesus, you are going to begin to reflect the things that Jesus is. Love, joy, peace, patience, and so on. As you get close to Jesus, he is going to begin to live these things out through you. Your job, though, is to be connected to him, or as he said in John 15, to remain in him. This is what he wants you to do. This is how he wants you to live, that you would be connected to him. Now, we need to, uh, as we're speaking practically... We need to acknowledge the obvious, though, that remaining in Jesus or connected to him, however you want to say that, um, that, that this doesn't just happen. My, one of my axioms is that um, I believe this to be very, very true, that when it comes to spiritual growth, we need to recognize this. Spiritual growth doesn't happen on accident. You don't accidentally become connected to Jesus. You don't accidentally become more loving. You don't, like, stumble your way into more joy. You don't accidentally become more patient or accidentally have more self-control. Like, that's not how the spiritual life works. You don't just stumble into the... I wish it happened like that, where you just became accidentally these, these things. But, but rather, what it takes is you have to grow into these things. You have to cultivate these things. You have to pay attention to them because this is how it works. And so Christians, for as long as there have been Christians, 
have talked about central core things that we can do that help us be connected to the vine, to Jesus. We go by different names. Some groups call them spiritual practices. Other groups call them spiritual disciplines. Some people call them means of grace, but there's the same idea that there are, are central things that Christians can do that we've recognized for as long as there have been Christians, that these practices tend to, to connect us to Jesus. And the more that we cultivate them and pay attention to them, the more we find ourselves connected to him. And, 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 and so we're not just going to accidentally become more loving, but the more that we connect with him, the more we're going to find love at work in our life. We're not going to accidentally become more joyful, but the more we connect with him, the more joy we're going to find in our life. This is how this dynamic, this dynamic works. And I was listening to a podcast this week that uh, had this line in it that, that got into my brain that I just kept thinking about for the week. And I rewrote the sermon several times because I wanted to include this, this line because it was so challenging to me. And it's, it's really about this, this idea of how we connect to the vine, although it's not really about this. It's about just life in general. So I want to share this line with you and uh, just think about this and how this is true in, in so many ways. So here's the line. Successful people do consistently what most people do occasionally. How true is that? I just like, I heard that. I was driving down Highway 65. I was like, need to pull over and write this one down real quick because that was so incredibly powerful. And I just thought there's so much truth to this line in so many areas of life, not just the spiritual life, but so many areas of life. Successful people do consistently what most people do occasionally. I mean, think about this. If you want to lose weight, it's not that you eat a salad occasionally. It's that you need to eat right consistently. If you want to get out of debt, it's not that you need to live within your means occasionally. It's that you need to stick to a budget consistently. If you want to have a good marriage, it's not that you need to forgive your spouse or to have kind words to them, you know, occasionally. It's that, like, consistently you need to pay attention to the way that you interact with your spouse. Like, this is how life works. Successful people do consistently what most people do occasionally. So I've been thinking about this, this line. It was so challenging me as I was thinking about just so many areas of life and the consistency of paying attention to certain things. And as I was thinking about this, I... I I thought, you know, those words apply so well to the Christian life, although I don't like some of those words. Like, I don't like to talk about the Christian life as being successful. That's not a very, like, I don't know. I don't like, I don't like to call it to talk about the Christian life like that and, you know, that, that kind of thing. So I was thinking maybe you should, could replace some of those words. Instead of saying successful, you could say growing. Instead of saying most, maybe you could say, like, stuck. So I was just thinking, here's a, here's a truism of how this would work, is that um, growing Christians do consistently what stuck Christians do occasionally. Like this is how spiritual growth works, is that there's something about this consistency that plays a role in how it is that we actually grow. So uh, growing Christians do consistently what stuck Christians do occasionally. And so you can think about this. There are things that Christians, for let's just leave this up here for a while, Maya. There are things that, that Christians have said for as long as there have been Christians these mechanisms for how you will grow and be connected to the vine, things like regular, consistent reading, study, memorization of the scripture. Like this is a, a basic Christian practice that people have said, as you lean into that, you're going to find that there's growth. Um, things like regular and consistent prayer or things like regular and consistent worship or, or, or tithing or serving the poor or sharing good news, like regular, consistent things that Christians for as long as there have been Christians have said, these are things that God tends to use to grow us. And it's not like there's power in any, any of those things by themselves, but rather what those practices do is they put us in a position to be connected to the vine. 
They put us in a position to reorient ourselves around what God wants for us and to put ourselves in a position where we're thinking about spiritual things and and receiving what it is that the vine wants us to have. And so, for instance, in my life, one of the central practices of my life um, is that I, I, I read the Bible on a daily basis. And it's not that I can look back at any one day of reading the Bible. It's not like March 4th, 20, like 2004 was like the day where God transformed my life big time because of the scripture. But rather what I can look back through is decades of showing up consistently. Some days where I get something out of it, some days where I don't. But showing up day after day after day and slowly being shaped by the practice of of hearing and reading and memorizing God's word, of beginning to see my life differently and the world differently and God differently and beginning to be shaped by this. There's something about this consistent practice of regularly showing up. And so if you want to be a growing Christian, if you want to be somebody who is living into the fruit of the spirit and seeing this grow in your life more and more, if you're somebody who wants more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and so on in your life, you are going to consistently pay attention to ways that you can connect to the vine. You're not gonna find it otherwise. You're not gonna stumble into these things. There's gonna be a consistency that has to show up in your life where you show up day after day after day to connect with the vine. But listen, if you wanna stay stuck, here's a great recipe. Do these things occasionally. Yeah, great recipe for staying stuck. If you want to stay stuck, pick up your Bible once in a while is a great recipe for staying stuck. Or if you want to stay stuck, only pray when you feel like it. Great, great recipe. Or only come to worship when you have nothing else to do is like the best way possible to stay stuck in your life. If you want to stay stuck, do not tithe. Do not uh, serve and volunteer in a ministry area. Don't do these kinds of things where you regularly are using your gifts and time and, and resources for God. Don't do those things because there's way too much consistency that's involved and they'll change your life too much. But if you want to stay stuck, just occasionally, you know, do them when you feel like them and, and, and you'll, yeah, you'll stay stuck. But if you want to grow, you got to find ways to connect to the vine. He is the one who's going to grow you. He is the one who's going to change you and transform you. And the way that that happens is when you show up day after day to connect to the vine. The promise is this, I am the true vine. I am the source for your changed life. I am the source for how you're gonna see the world differently, for how you're gonna live differently, for how your character is gonna change over time. Like he is the one who is going to do this. And so maybe this morning, there are some of us here who are stuck. All of us get stuck, by the way, from time to time. And so maybe there's some folks here this morning who are stuck, and maybe you're stuck because you've been neglecting some of the things that you should have been paying attention to. And if that's true for you this morning, I just want you to hear this word of encouragement that that you need to connect to the vine. You need to find ways of of consistently showing up and, and learning and reading and experiencing what he has for you in your life. And be encouraged because when you do this, over time, he will change your life. This is what he does. He is the true vine who's going to grow fruit in your life. So maybe there's some folks here who are stuck. Maybe there's some folks here who are are just starting out in faith and they're not even sure where to start. And if that's true for you, just today is a a chance for you to start to, to try to find ways of connecting with the vine, to open the Bible, to start having times of prayer, to start um, reorienting some of your, your practices around how you can connect with the vine as much as possible because he is the source of growth. You see, Jesus wants to change our lives. This is what he wants to do. He wants to grow within you more love. 
He wants you to be more joyful. He wants you to be more patient and kind and good and faithful. He wants you to have more self-control. He wants you to have these things. Our job then is to connect with him. Let's pray. So Lord, this morning, I just, I thank you that um, you don't want us to stay the same. It's not just that we believe that you exist, but you actually want to transform our lives. And so this morning, um, may we be encouraged with the promise that you are the true vine and that when we connect with you, you will change us. Change doesn't happen quickly. It's often very slow and gradual, but it is this change of heart and life where we grow into reflecting you and bearing this fruit that you have for us and become the people that you want us to be. And so this morning, for anyone here who's stuck, and maybe they didn't even realize they're stuck, but they are, may we be encouraged to, to find ways of connecting with you this week, consistently showing up to connect with you. For some of us, we need to return to some disciplines that we've been neglecting. We need to return to some practices that we've just kind of let go because our lives got busy or our schedules got full, and we need to remember that what's really at stake is, is, is not a, a checklist, but, but is a relationship with you that when we're not careful, that can drift into territory that we don't want it to go and we end up stuck. And so, Lord, this morning, encourage us, challenge us. May we have new thoughts, new insights about how it is that we're to live and how it is that we can connect with you, this promise that you are the true vine and you are the one who grows us. So, Lord, we look to you. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray. Amen. You've just listened to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co, and if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening.